Good morning, Cornerstone. My name is John, and today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails they may receive you into the internal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful to the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Cornerstone family, it's great to be with you again on this Sunday morning and to worship our Lord in this way of looking at God's word and applying it to our lives once we understand what the principles and the commands are that Jesus is giving us. Did you know that Mark Zuckerberg, along with his co-founder for Facebook, Dustin Moskovich, would each give half of their combined wealth, or more than half, to charity? Um, Mark Zuckerberg's current worth, just by himself, is estimated to be about $110 billion. And I don't know about his co-worker there, Dustin Muscovich. They, they joined a bunch of other billionaires in what is called the Giving Pledge. And you can go find the website of that. And the website of the Giving Pledge states that, I quote, is a commitment by the world's wealthiest individuals and families to dedicate the majority of their wealth to giving back, end quote. And as of today, there are 220 billionaires that have joined this campaign to pledge uh, 50% or more of their wealth to uh, charity. And this combined wealth, just for example, of the 62 billionaires that are from the United States, uh, has increased from 2010 to 2020 by 95 percent. For in 2010, these 62 American billionaires' com- uh, total wealth was 376 billion dollars. Now, in or in 2020, uh, mid 2020, it was 734 billion dollars. So you're guessing about half of that is going to be given to this giving pledge or to give it away. Uh, in some way. And the, according to the pledge, the donation can be made during the lifetime of the, the pledger or after their death through a will or instructions that follow. 
Now, here are some extremely wealthy people that have the heart to help um, and use their wealth uh, to help others. And why is this? Uh, is maybe it's because they see the huge disconnect uh, between themselves and the amount of money they have and their lifestyles and the common person on this planet. That could be the case. Or maybe they hope that in some measure, their immense wealth would be able to achieve something significant in this world to help more people. Um, the key here is that they desire, obviously, some kind of meaning and significance um, from the amount of wealth they have. But we who worship the Almighty God know uh, Him as maker of heaven and earth. We know that the only meaning and purpose of life can be found in Him and Him alone, our Creator God. He is our Master and Savior and Lord, and, and we are His servants on earth, His children. And this is the profound truth of the Scriptures. And this is the context for which Jesus is telling this parable here in verse six, I mean chapter 16, verses 1 through 13, which is our text today. And Jesus tells this parable of a servant who wasted his master's possessions to illustrate an important teaching that goes along with this parable, this story. And this is for his followers, his, uh, which would apply to us too today. So let's dig into this parable to understand what is this teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ for all of us. Verses 1 and 2. He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. Now it was common for a wealthy um, man to have a slave or hire someone to manage their possessions for them. Uh, not only the possessions, but their business and all those things to oversee it. The Greek word, the original Greek of the New Testament, the word used here and translated as manager, means an administrator, a person who manages uh, domestic affairs, of a family or a business, uh, like a house manager, an overseer, or sometimes the word is used as a steward. And the, and the Old Testament example is that of the story of Joseph. If you remember, Joseph was a slave, and then he was eventually put in charge of all of Potiphar's household. He was basically the manager of everything Potiphar had, except for his wife, if you remember the story. The manager had authority over all the other servants and slaves, to assign them their tasks, because he managed everything. Now, the accusation against the manager in this story of Jesus was that he was wasting the master's possessions. Now, the original Greek word for wasting uh, literally just means to scatter abroad, to disperse, to squander, we could use. And notice the manager did not deny this accusation, because it was true. Uh, otherwise, he would have simply just shown the accounting books to prove his innocence. But the manager knew he had been wasting the master's wealth. Are we wasting our master's possessions? Now, unlike the, man, the manager, 
the problem we often have is that we don't even realize where we are wasting our master's uh, possessions that he has entrusted to our care. And we're not even usually thinking about our lives as that we are a manager of what God has provided for us. We don't live like everything we have is God's, entrusted to us to care for and use for his purposes. Instead, we often live like everything is ours and to do with what we want to do with it. So we live wastefully squandering what God has actually provided us with. And all of what we have, including our intelligence, our intelligence, our how smart we are, our health, our education, our wealth, our position at work, or our position socially, are given to us by God to be managed for Him and His glory and for His kingdom purposes. Everything is to be managed. Even we could say our sickness or a tragedy. How do we walk through that and manage that to live for God's glory in the midst of that? Because it is something that God has allowed into our life. I once heard about an electrician who complained about all these, uh, he called it electrical vampires that existed in his home. Uh, everything electronic seems to have a like a little light that stays on or a display or a clock of some kind, um, like our stoves, our thermostats, cable boxes, Blu-ray players, microwaves, routers, you name it, right? And all these lights and display on, and these displays use up a little bit of electricity and that adds up over, you know, if you put them all together. And this was his point. So this electrician actually at night before he goes to bed, he shuts off his electric circuit breakers in his house and he goes to sleep. And then when he wakes up, he turns them back on. So he saves that like six to eight hours of those little electrical vampires using up electricity. And uh, he's conserving energy and he's also conserving money. Um, This is his thinking. But I was impressed because in a similar way, uh, how may we who follow Jesus give careful consideration to how we may be wasting the resources and the possessions and all that God has given us? Do we give as careful consideration as this electrician did? Look at what happened next in the story, the parable, verses 3 through 8. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me and I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg and I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said, oh, he said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. You know, Jesus gave us insight into this manager's thoughts and intentions, uh, his motivation. And the manager's actions were purely selfish. Uh, He did not in the least have 
what would benefit his master um, in mind. Yeah, and even before he lost, he was going to lose his job, right? Because he was already wasting, squandering his master's wealth. But now we can see it in full force as he's in what he's doing dishonestly. He was concerned how he would be welcomed in the people's homes after he lost his managerial position. And the main point of the parable here is in verse 8. The master praised the manager not for his dishonesty, but for his for being shrewd. Right? His shrewdness is why he was commended. Now, shrewd simply means to be sensible or wise. And this is the characteristic expected of somebody who administrates, right, or manages other people's things. Um, it characterizes really those who plan ahead, being shrewd. And the manager was commended for acting and preparing himself for the judgment that was about to come on him and where he's going to lose his job. So he was commended for being shrewd by planning for his future. Now, the verses following this uh, story emphasize this point of the, this point of the parable, right? God wants us to be shrewd and, and wise in planning ahead, uh, looking toward the future when we see and must give an account for how we have managed what God has given us. Listen to verses 9 through 12 again in light of this. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, Jesus did not mean we are to use our resources and our wealth uh, to buy friends by lavishing gifts on them so they will just like us and be our friends. No, uh, because those are never true friends, right? It's just dependent on what you give them. But instead, we are to use our wealth in a way, or the, whatever God has given us, in a way that helps people in need and helps them to get back up on their feet. Uh, in a sense, we are reaching out and being generous with what God has given us to assist others for the, His glory and His honor. See, using wealth in this way glorifies God because he has a special heart for the poor and therefore points people to God in the reason of why we're doing this with what God has given us, who ultimately, God, who ultimately provides everything to us in life. With this parable, Jesus urges his followers to prepare ourselves for the coming judgment as the dishonest manager did, by acting shrewdly, right? How that shrewdness is to be manifested in us, though, uh, is going to be quite different than in the dishonest manager. It is not through dishonesty, but through wise stewardship of what God has given us. This is Jesus' point here. And there is a day coming in which we have to give an account to the Lord God for 
our lives and what we did with what he has given us. Romans 14.12 says, speaks of this saying, so then each of us will give an account for ourselves of ourselves to God. See, God hopes we are shrewd, wise, creative, future thinking when managing what he gives us. And like we could say, like obviously our wealth, if we are wealthy, and we are, most of us are by the world standards, we're extremely wealthy. Um, but he also gives us opportunity and education and friendships and reputation and possessions. How do we use these things that God has provided us for his glory and for his kingdom purposes on earth? Whatever we have has been given to us by him. The real issue boils down to who we believe is the one we're serving. Who, who is our master, actually, in life? Who are we truly following and seeking to obey? Jesus makes this very clear in Luke 16, 13, saying, No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, we are not the master of our lives. Jesus Christ, the Lord, is master. He proved it to us when he came and lived and died and then rose again from the dead. So we serve Jesus and all that we have is his. And he has entrusted everything we have into our care to use for his purposes on earth. It is when we think that we have what we have is our own and to be used for our own purposes or our own gain, that we will miss out on the greater things that God has to give us in the here and now, in this life, and also in the age to come. When we hold on to things as our own, we will only miss the blessings that God has in store for you and me if we would just give it up to Him. That is when we are truly blessed by our living God. You know, there's a story of a five-year-old little girl named Jenny who was with her mother at a checkout stand in a dime store, and she saw this circle of glistening uh, white pearls in this little pink box. It's like a foil box, I guess, to make them glisten more. You know, and the mother, Jenny, wanted to have these pearls. So the mother looked at the back of the box and $1.95. So the mother made this plan up and said, well, you know, um, you, I could think of some things for you to do around the house so you can earn a little extra. And, um, and your birthday's coming up and grandma usually gives you a, a whole dollar bill for your birthday. So I think you can, you know, save up and, and you can buy this necklace for yourself. So that was the plan. So once Jenny got home, she checked her little piggy bank, you know, and poured out all the the pennies in there and she had 17 pennies and then she you know did extra chores around the house made a little more there she went to her neighbor to see if she could pick dandelions for 10 cents you know in their yard so they gave her 10 cents to do that and so she just did these things and then sure enough her birthday came and grandma gave her a whole dollar bill so by the time birthday came she had another dollar she had enough to buy this dime store necklace and so she did she bought it she loved it and uh, she loved her 
fake pearls, made her feel dressed up and grown up like an adult, even though she was very small. And she wore them everywhere. She wore them to Sunday school. She wore them to kindergarten, even to bed. She would wear them to bed. Well, the pattern they had in their family was Jenny's dad would always read her a story before she would go to sleep. And one night when he finished the story, he asked Jenny, Hey, Jenny, do you love me? And of course she said, Oh, yeah, Daddy, you know that I love you. And then he said, Well, then give me your pearls. And she hesitated. And, and then she said, Oh, Daddy, um, not my pearls. You can have Princess instead. That's my favorite white, you know, horse with the pink mane. Uh, that's her favorite do uh, toy at this point. She could, he could have her, Princess. And the daddy just said, Oh, no, that's okay. Just know that daddy loves you. Good night. And he, and he left and went to bed and gave her a kiss. And then about a week later, after story time, dad asked again, Oh, Jenny, do you love me? And of course, she said, Oh, you know I love you, daddy. And then he said, Give me your pearls. And then she hesitated again and said, Oh, daddy, not my pearls, but you can have my baby doll. I just, the brand new one I just got for my birthday. Um, you can have her, and then you can also have the yellow blanket that goes along with her. You can have those instead, but not my pearls. So daddy just told her, no, that's okay. Uh, just know that daddy loves you. Good night. And he gave her another kiss on the cheek. So went to bed. But then a few nights later, when her dad came into the room to read her a story, uh, Jenny was sitting on her bed, and her chin was qu quivering, and a tear was running down her cheek. And uh, Daddy said, what is it, Jenny? And then Jenny, just, she didn't say anything. She just picked up her hand and held it out and opened it up. And there were the dime store necklace of pearls. And she said, you know, here, Daddy, it's for you. And with tears gathering in, her own, uh, in his own eyes, Jenny's daddy kindly reached out and took the pearls necklace from her. And then he reached in his back pocket and he pulled out this blue velvet case and he opened it up and he pulled out genuine necklace of pearls and gave it to Jenny instead. You see, he had them all the time. He was just waiting for his daughter to willingly give up her dime store pearls so that he could give her the genuine treasure. And in the same way, this is exactly the principle that God has for you and me, that he has given everything we have, even my health today, or my lack of health today, right? He's given it to us so that we can manage it for him and his glory on earth. What are we hanging on to? So often, our lives and our planning involve clinging to those things we think are so valuable, like a treasure to us. And when God wants us to have something much more precious than what we're clinging on to, we will never experience this until we give up what we have, all that we have, to Him as Lord. And then He can show us and reveal to us the abundant life He really has in store for us on earth. In 2021, how will we manage the things that God has given us? We could live simply. How can we manage our money that God has given us? We can give it away generously to those in need, 
to the poor, to the church ministry, to other community ministries? How can we manage the compassion that he has put in our hearts? Well, we can be with those who are hurting and lonely or sick or in prison. We, we just be with them and share the love of Christ with them. How about our own competence, our skills, our talents? Well, we work hard, but we keep a boundary. Remembering that God is our Lord God, not our work is not our idol. So we work hard. We, we work ethically and we honor God in our work. And how do we, how do we honor and be a good manager of our time? And this is because we can do this by being intentional with the relationships that we pursue with those especially who are not believers and followers of Jesus, to show that they are truly valuable to us. Whether or not they believe, it doesn't matter, but we can show the value that people have to God by how we value them. And we can serve uh, with our time as a tutor, we can teach English, we could be a big brother, a big sister to troubled youth in our area, whatever it may be, it could be a foster parents for kids in New Jersey, whatever it is. But I would like, there's one opportunity right now I want you to seriously consider. And this is what you've heard, the Kairos course that we are offering, well, it's not us, but we're gonna join this course, whoever can take it. It's every Monday night for about, I think it's 10 or 11 weeks. And it, you will learn, um, we, I'm gonna take it with my wife, May, we're gonna learn the scriptural teaching of Jesus' command to make disciples and how that plays out in our everyday lives here in our local context, through our normal lives, and then also how God calls us to be also concerned about global, globally those who do not hear his message and what we can do about that. It's going to be a great time together. I encourage you to really think about it. My brothers and sisters in Christ, let's plan ahead so that when we do come to the day that we have to give an account to the Lord God, that we can hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Oh, I look forward to that day. Let's pray. Lord, may you cleanse our hearts and reveal to us the wicked ways within us, especially those ways that we are holding on to the things that we think are valuable and that we treasure, whether it be our career and our career um, promotions and our advancement, or whether it be uh, our body and how well we look, or whatever it may be, Lord, or how much we have saved up and that will give us security. Lord, we renounce it and we Give it up to you to be used for your purposes. Whatever it is, our health, our lack of health, our family, or even our dysfunctional families, if we're coming from those, Lord, we, we give it all up to you because we know that you can work all things for your good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, it's great to be with you. I look forward to being with you again next week.